Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Mirari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules Podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead, go and break those rules. Today, we're talking about the broken rung, which basically means the system that is broken, that is not allowing women to move forward in the workplace. We think it's important to address the broken rung because it really disproportionately affects women of color. So we're going to cover how managers and employees can fix the broken rung by breaking the rules with a special three-part series. This episode is specifically for managers, whether you're a woman of color, a white man, this is going to apply to you. So my invitation as you listen to us today is that you find one actionable step that you can take after this 30, 40 minutes. It's going to be deep and intense. So buckle up because we have a journey to take you on. This week, I attended a CEO forum where McKenzie and company gave an update specifically on the broken rung. Research has actually been going on for over eight years. Now, you mentioned it, but for the sake of our listeners, what is the broken rung? It refers to the clear gender inequality at the first step of the frontline management. And what the broken rung has shown us for the eighth year in a row is that men continue to significantly outnumber women beginning at the first manager level. And what does that mean? It's actually almost impossible for women to catch up. Now, some stats to bring it home. For every 100 men who are promoted from entry-level roles to manager positions, only 87 women are promoted. Okay, Mirari, let me, <laughs> let me stop you there because in tech, it's even worse. It's like 50%. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it, you're absolutely right. It gets worse as the intersectionalities enter the game. So for women of color, the numbers tell us is only 82 women of color get promoted versus 100% men. And for Latinas, hang tight. Only 75 Latinas are promoted. You can name it, add in an intersectionality and the numbers get worse. Wow. I mean, it, it is astounding to hear these numbers and that it's like been happening over and over again. And, you know, we're here to help women advance in their careers and climb the corporate ladder. But the problem, especially for multicultural women, as you said, is that they're kind of screwed from the beginning, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, sadly. Yeah. I mean, it is a broken system. That's why we call it the broken rung. And it's like, as soon as you get in, everything is against you. We talked about this in another episode where the rules were breaking. We're having to break them because 
it's embedded. For the longest time, there have been these yes. false narratives about how women can lead, what's our capacity, allowing men to determine what our capacity is, saying, oh, you're a mom, mm, maybe you can't lead as well because you're too distracted. Like, I can't even believe how long that false narrative has existed. So I think we feel like we're screwed, but we don't have to be, right? Like these sort of discussions and shifting perspectives can help us win. I feel like now I'm Debbie Downer right now because you're like, no, we can help. We can change it. But I'm torn because I'm like, but the reality is it's so broken. I'm going to argue a little bit here. I know that it's really broken, but when you're focusing on solutions, all of us have to think about what's within your control. And that's where mindset and wellness become so, so crucial because that is within our control. We can't undo history or redo history, but the, the conversation does need to be a little bit more positive and optimistic. And it's like, okay, what can we do? One of the things that needs to change is managers need to be extremely intentional about supporting the careers of women of color. And that is something that it is within their control. When managers support women, it opens up the psychological safety for, for the woman. There's something managers can do, and there are some things that the women of color can do to make sure that we both tackle the broken rung together and really succeed. And that's why we're here. We're having this discussion to provide a framework so there is a solution going forward. We understand this isn't easy and we want to provide a framework so we can do something about it. So here are some stats. There's only one in four C-suite leaders who's a woman and one in 20 C-suite leaders is a woman of color. So this latest information comes from the Women in the Workplace 2022 McKenzie study. And this report also found that women leaders are leaving their jobs at the highest rate in years. And everybody sees this right now. It is no secret that people are leaving, let alone women. <laughs> yeah. And now they're calling it the great breakup. So this problem really exists in two places. It exists at the bottom with the broken rung and at the top with companies having a hard time holding on to their few female leaders, which if you really think about it is a consequence of the broken rung. Yeah, I also saw a stat the other day that said for every woman promoted, two women directors are choosing to leave the company. So it supports everything you just said. Not only do we have the broken rung, but the women are leaving. So it is so critical that we're having this episode because it is going to help the managers and the women see what they can do to support gender parity in the workplace and specifically to support women of color. There are several things that I believe managers can do because it is important for the employee to feel that safety, to feel that they have support. What I would say is ensure that you are creating a safe space for the associates. One of the things that come up over and over, whether it's in the workplace or in the studies that are done by McKinsey and Company or BCG or any, you name it, is unconscious bias and microaggressions. 
And microaggressions, for those of you who don't know, are subtle micro messages that typically feel like a thousand paper cuts. These are very present in the workplace and can threaten the emotional security of your employees, their performance and relationships. And this is critical for managers to be aware of what these are and when they happen, because this is the time that they can take a stand, that they can stop those microaggressions, those behaviors, and they can show support to their employees and make them feel safe. I love the idea of microaggressions feel like a thousand paper cuts because it's tiny, but if that keeps happening, it can really threaten their emotional security. Yeah. And let's break it down because I think it's important for managers to understand what are some of those microaggressions. I'll give you some that I've heard most recently, and maybe you all can share some that you've heard. I think it's critical. Some leaders may are not be aware what those are. Most recently, somebody said to me, whoa, you must have an easy job that you're able to write a book and serve your community. (laughs) Uh, Talk about microaggressions. (laughs) I want to assume that it was an unconscious bias, but whoa, did it feel like a super aggression? You know, people need to seek to understand how my life experiences have equipped me to manage my time behind the scenes and the sacrifices that I made to ensure I deliver 150% in my job and do the other things that I want to do. So a way to turn that microaggression is instead, hey, I want to learn from you. How did you do it? Because one thing I would love to do is pay it forward and help others achieve their dreams. And if their dreams is to write a book and give back to their community while running a global business and raising a family, then I'm your gal. I can absolutely help you with that. But those are some of the microaggressions that you're like, oh, really? It may seem small, but like you said, that might be the 10th one of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a client. She does a lot of like Hollywood shows and Sundance Festival, you know, like all the festivals and all the things. And um, she's had people say like, well, your job must not be hard. You just like get dressed up and go to galas. Yeah, I'm sure that happens to you too, Manetti, because I know that's like, it's like literally part of your job. And for someone to say that your job is easier or harder or whatever, like they don't understand your pressures. And if they're in leadership on top of that, saying that things, it's like, well, how am I supposed to work under these conditions? I want to share a leader that I think does a marvelous job at reframing microaggressions. And it was specifically during a people planning session and somebody said, oh my God, but she's so pushy. And this leader said, you know what? She's in a sales role. I need that type of strength. I need that asset in my team. I'll take that all day. Yes, I love that. And I was just like, I just love how that manager, that leader, completely reframed somebody that was saying it with a negative tone. And now this is like, yes, this is what we want. So that's another way, leaders, that you can help tone down and eliminate these microaggressions by reframing in a positive strength what somebody may have just said about somebody else. And I love that 
idea of advocating for a woman in a meeting in front of others, because that is something that happens all the time. And as a manager, you don't realize how much power you have over everyone in that virtual or real life room when you can call someone's microaggression out so that you're not putting that person that did it down, but you're uplifting the person who got let down. And then you're also setting a standard for not being okay, like a zero tolerance for someone treating someone else. You're calling it out. There's a way that you can do it. So it feels light, but it's you're still making a stand. When I was VP of marketing, I was leading a software project and I shouldn't have been doing it, but it was a smaller tech company. So sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And uh, one of the former CEOs of the company who's still working there was like in front of all the engineers said, Elisa, like, why are you in charge? And honestly, it was a legit question, but they don't know the backstory of what my experience, they didn't know anything. And so he came in, completely undermined me. I was dumbfounded and just like froze because I didn't know what to do. And then all day it bothered me. And I was like, should I talk to him? Should I tell him? Like, I know I shouldn't be here, but that was rude. And I'm supposed to be leading these engineers. At the end of the day, he came to me and he was like, hey, I realize what I said was completely wrong. This is why I said it, but I know how it came off. And I know you're supposed to be leading that team. And I'm really sorry that I did that. Please let me know how I can support you to get this team working the way you need them to be. I so appreciated that because I didn't have the tools at that time to approach him, but I was really appreciative of him coming to me and saying, hey, look, I made a mistake. I want to be here for you. Something similar happened to me with the leadership team. And in this situation, I was the HR business partner to the CFO and the leadership team was all male except one other woman. I was the only woman of color at the table. And what's interesting is that it didn't matter that I was a seasoned HR professional. They were undermining anything that I said. And this CFO said, hey, anytime that you have any organizational issues or anything that has to do with the team or people or processes, make sure that you're talking to Mirari about it. Of course, they didn't listen to that either. So they would go and talk to him and he would ask, did you talk to Mirari? And when they would say no, he would send them back. But what happened was beautiful because they were able to then work with me and realize that I had the skills to help them not only succeed in the business, but succeed professionally and develop their teams. And it also helped me continue to grow in the organization. Today, I truly believe if that leader had not done that, I would have had this wonderful career because these men that I interacted with for over two, three years, they're still my allies. But this just gives you an example of what a leader mm -hmm. can do. Yeah. If you bring somebody into your team with an expertise, or with a functional expertise, and you see that people are undermining that individual you have the power and authority to ask them to work with them and come together with a solution, which is what this leader did. And in return, it allowed me to really show my skills and really build relationships. And hopefully, which I believe this happened, them being able to see that a woman, a woman of color 
has the capability and the smarts to help them and the organization be successful. Madari, that's a great story because part of the big issue we have with the broken rung is that these are things that happen early on in women's careers. And thinking about my workplace, tech company, I remember seeing this room full of men. It was a software company and there was tricklings of women here and there. There was the admin staff and a couple of engineers. And if you're a manager looking out into the room and you're looking to pick somebody to get promoted, these are all entry levels, you are so much more likely to pick the man. So let me just quickly say, go seek out the women who are early in their careers and you pick them up. You're basically not even a mentor. You're just being a sponsor at that moment. You're like, hey, you, let's get you trained. Let me talk to you. Let's get you what you need because that is the breaking point. And I love that because organizations must take intentional steps to fix their broken rung. Now we've given some examples, but at the end of the day, organizations can no longer do activities just to check the box. It starts with self-assessments and internal data as well. Take a look at your data. The data will reveal to you where the gaps are in the pipeline for women. You know, there are many organizations who have great benefits, practices, and training programs but at the end of the day, it goes back to those behaviors that we talked about, those unconscious bias, those microaggressions. The organization must have a cultural change. Without an inclusive culture, you can have the best practices, benefits, and programs in the world. But if uninclusive behavior goes on unchecked, you will lose your best talent. And not only that, you will impact their well-being. In this case, hiring a coach, taking classes, all that can only take you so far. It'll build awareness, but you have to take action and you can do that today. And let me tell you, there's a business case for that because companies with women executives are 30% more effective. I don't have a stat in front of me anymore, but it's like 48% of your profits can be attributed to women executives, but you have to get them at the beginning. One of my clients, she works in tech, and she is a senior manager. She's in her early 30s and working at the director level. And recently, her director called all the directors in and said, this is a time to discuss company goals. And I want to know what your goals were for this quarter. And he used her goals as examples to tell all the other directors how to do their jobs. And she's sitting there thinking, wait a second, these people have been in their careers for 10 plus years. Like, How did they get to where they are? And I'm so much lower on the totem pole. And how do I know how to do basic things like set goals for my team? And she is consistently outperforming her male peers who are at higher levels, make probably twice as much money wow. as she does with a better title. And they are all expecting her to do their work, their strategy, their thinking. She Her role is really execution, but these director levels are wanting her to do strategy, planning, 
and execution. And so if I were her manager, I would promote her immediately. Like, get rid of some of those men who are doing nothing. Like, this is the time to make a decision, especially you work in tech, things move fast. You want to see your profits, your department become more effective. Get rid of the fluff and find the people <laughs> who have the potential. Whether And even if they're early in their careers, he has an opportunity right now to change this woman's life. She can easily be a, a chief executive. And if he doesn't hone that right now, he's going to lose her. She's going to get burnt out and she probably will quit. So he can be her sponsor. He can be her mentor. Like he has so many opportunities to shape this young woman at a crucial point in her career. So Elisa, what caught my ear the most is when you said you have to get them early in their career. And I think that is one of the biggest differences between mentoring and sponsoring. So when you're meeting someone early in their career, it's it's like watering seeds. And I think that sometimes when you're meeting someone a little bit later in their career, some people don't know what to do with like a half-developed fruit. You don't know what to do sometimes, but I think that a lot of people actually don't know the difference between mentoring and sponsoring. I actually went to a women's conference at USC about two weeks ago, and I went to a breakout session that was about this. And sometimes people don't know how to mentor or sponsor because they're not sure of the boundaries and the difference between the two. Let's talk a little bit more about that and how managers can mentor and or sponsor to really help their employees advance in their careers? For me, I truly believe mentoring, you can make it without it, but you cannot make it without a sponsor. Because a mentor typically may not have the power to promote you or sponsor you. Remember, a mentoring relationship, it should be a safe zone. Now, it is true that mentoring relationships can grow into sponsorships. But many mentors should be either outside the organization or it should be outside your department or a peer mentor or someone that has had the experience. The mentor is somebody that you say, hey, this is everything that I'm struggling with. Yeah, you can vent. And it's like personal and professional. Yes. Whereas in a sponsor is somebody that needs to know your greatness, all the things that you're doing and you're performing, because they're going to be the ones at the table making the decision on your behalf. Not always is the mentor a sponsor. If we're going to move forward past the broken rung, we need sponsors mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. And the way that I look at it is I need you to be their sponsor mm -hmm. so that they could advance because you're the one making the decisions. When you hear yourself saying something like, oh, I feel like she would be perfect and a perfect addition to the team, or I could really see him thrive in this role. Something a manager can do is ask yourself, what am I basing my decisions on? This would then, I believe, help you focus on concrete data versus emotions. Yeah, I have a message for female managers specifically because I've worked with several senior leaders who don't want to be sponsors, especially to other women, because they want to have all their ducks in a row. They're like, I can't recommend this other woman for this role because I don't know, maybe I need to spend at least a year with this other woman before I recommend her for a role. And I said, no, <laughs> like, absolutely not. <laughs> 
If you see this woman has the potential to be in that role and that role is open today, that role might not be open in a year. And her big concern was her reputation. She was more concerned about what other people would say to her if that person she recommended failed instead of realizing that you recommend someone, it's up to that person, it's up to their manager. Like you, your job is take them from point A to point B and then you leave. You're done. If you see that spark, you go for it. You take action quickly. And this is just like a way that a lot of women operate. They're so responsible, right? Like they take ownership over their teams, over their whole 30,000 person organization. One woman will feel the weight of the responsibility over that, even if that's not really their role. And so for women, but if you're truly want to be a sponsor, you have to find the talent, move them where you need to be, advocate, and then you move on and then you you can do something else. If you want to mentor them along the way, you see potential that where you have can personally impact their lives. Great. But that's not sponsorship. I love that story, Alisa, because if, hey, you're ready to move on, that's great. Find them a mentor. It doesn't have to be you. You don't have to take the responsibility over the whole 30,000 people that report (laughs) to you, but you have the network to find them other mentors so that they can continue to perform and grow. McKinsey and Company and Lena did a survey of more than 68,000 U.S. workers and only 24% of black women said they have, I feel like they have a sponsor at work. Part of that is, yes, mentors and sponsors need to recognize black women. They need to have this. An easy thing you can do is introduce them. Like just say, hey. Like, I'm going to have coffee with so-and-so. Do you want to join? Or I'm going to be on this Zoom call with so-and-so. Why don't you just come along and see, like, the kind of conversations that we have? An introduction can literally move someone's career and change their whole trajectory for the rest of their lives. I talk a lot to my mentees about exposure, but I love that you're also putting this on the managers because there it's an article it's called the pie theory of success performance image and exposure and what this article tells you is that for advancement performance is actually 10 percent. image is 30 and exposure is 60 wow this is so critical for leaders to be part of that solution of that 60 percent. so thank you for sharing that i'm listening to both of you and We're talking about the broken rung, and what I'm hearing is that relationships fix brokenness. Ooh, yes. Love that. Snap, snap. (laughs) Love that. Say it again for the people in the back. Yeah. (laughs) That was deep. (laughs) Relationships fix brokenness. And when I think of advancing you have to feel a sense of wholeness and wellness and completion. And people are a big part in that process. And I don't know about the two of you, but I know we all have master's degrees in organizational development. That's why I decided to get this master's degree rather than an MBA, because I said, no, I want to focus on the people who are making the decisions because that is what's really, really, really driving business. And if you're focusing on work relationships, workplace relationships, you really got to think about how do I care for others in the workplace? 
And you mentioned this earlier too. What about the word culture? The people make the culture. We can't talk about fixing a broken system without talking about the broken people within that system. You, you mentioned grad school. I remember when I graduated, I was like, okay, organizational leadership. The thing that I learned the most for managers is caring for other people can go such a long way and yeah. recognizing them, praising them when they do something well, giving them constructive feedback when you see areas they can improve. Those are all gifts that you can give that are human to human. And as you said, Courtney, managers can have a huge influence on the mental health of their teams. I actually have a lot to say about managers' impact on their employees' mental health. Um, as I just said, relationships heal, right? And so managers, here's what you should know about your employees. 60% of employees worldwide say that their job is the biggest factor influencing their mental health and that managers have just as much of an impact on people's mental health as their spouse. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> massive. By the way, this is from the Workplace Institute at UKG. 2023 mental health at work managers and money report. Some people are shocked. Like, how is that possible that a manager could have more influence on your mental health than a spouse? Like the spouse, you're married, you're one. Okay. Think about this logically. If we spend 40 to 60 hours a week working with your manager, with your team, that's a lot of time in our weeks. You know, it probably affects the mental health of the spouse as well. Like, Miradi, think yeah. about you. Like, how much your husband takes on when you have issues with your, you know, with anybody at your organization? Absolutely. And I can totally relate because imagine having a toxic relationship at home. That's how it feels to be at work. Yeah. And I've had toxic mm. relationships in the past. So when you made that comparison, I felt like my body just like, whoa, this is what people are going through. It is serious and such a heavy topic uh, because managers can have such an influence. They can truly turn things around for an individual. I was thinking about someone I know who was having a hard time at work and it was affecting her husband and it affected her kids. They didn't even live with her and like they felt the burden. And I remember um, I was just being a friend and her kids later were like, hey, we actually are so glad you have a friend that you can talk to because it helps us too. Because we know that there's like support available for you. And we can only, we, you know, we're 15. We can only give you so much support, mom. We know you need it, you know, but they feel it. Everyone feels it. Managers, knowing this now about your employees, here's how you can help. So in the beginning of our podcast, I touched on focusing on what's within your control and what's within your control is helping people with their energy management. So what does that look like? What does that mean? You can provide basic employee needs such as welcoming negotiation conversations. 
when you're structuring benefits packages, right? Connect with HR. What's an affordable healthcare package? What about pension support? Then you can also address burnout. So obviously you can't be someone's therapist, right? But what can you control in your work environment that can reduce burnout? You don't want your employees to get to a point when they're already burnt out and then that's even more brokenness that needs to be healed. That is the brokenness that we need to address before the burnout. Another suggestion that I would say that a a manager can do and some of the things that I do myself is I educate myself on what are some of the programs that are available uh, so that I know when somebody's talking to me about a certain issue that I could say, hey, have you considered A? Have you considered B? There's These are some of the benefits. And you kind of mentioned that, Courtney, hey, partner with HR. But I think sometimes it's just as critical for a leader, just educate yourself. You don't need to be the expert, but just know what's available. And I would say the other thing that I personally do is during my one-on-ones with my team, I spend a lot of time talking about the personal and what is going on in their lives. This is something that I've done throughout my career, but I encourage male leaders to really lean in and listen. Look, you do not have to have all the answers. I rarely do. But being able to listen and understand and then just save that so when the time comes or an opportunity comes, I can help support that individual. I really encourage managers to do so uh, because they also have responsibilities and things that they want to do outside of work. So I really encourage male leaders as well as women leaders to really take the time to know what's important to that other person. Yeah. I still love, Courtney, what you said about how we can fix the broken rung by fixing relationships and and what you're talking about with mental health and seeing the person outside of work and acknowledging their journeys. These are all ways that women, especially women earlier in the career, can feel seen and get comfortable approaching a manager. If you can talk about what you're doing over the weekend, it makes talking about your career goals a lot easier. And I think all this ties together, but at the end of the day, what's going to fix the broken rung is managers ensuring that they advance women and being able to provide them the safe space. You can continue to do great work, but ultimately, manager, the decision is in your hands. If she's in your workplace and she's performing, you have the power to advance her. Leverage the power that you have to advance women because they're doing great work. They are delivering. They are building communities. They are building talent and they're growing your business. So it is a win-win for all of us. We're here to really change the face of leadership and change the broken rung, but we need you to be part of the solution. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. 
This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.